All right, so let me get your attention. We've got, let's maximize the time that we have with diligent focus, okay, Charlotte and Dominic? Are you guys going to be okay sitting by each other? Okay, sounds good, because otherwise I've got a chair here for you. All right. So we've got the question. Nathan has posed it a few times through our study of Romans. So we are, we're aiming to address it well tonight. And the question is this. If God knew that Adam and Eve would sin, why did he create the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? So we have to make some assumptions as we come to this question, um, some important scriptural realizations. Uh, Number one, scripture does not explicitly state God's purpose in making the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It doesn't give us the exact reason. If you go and you read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, it doesn't tell you. And God did it because, so what we're doing is we're trying to take the rest of Scripture and understand, well, why was God creating this tree? Um, Second, it assumes that God is the creator. We see this in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And it walks through and details that God is the creator of everyone and everything that has ever existed which also means that God pre-existed creation. Not only that, however, that God is the creator, but that God made a very good creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31 says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So at the end of God's creation, he finishes creating. Day one, he created, anybody remember? God created light. Day two, was the firmament. What was day three? Okay. Day three was the dry land and the vegetation. Day four, sun, moon, and stars. Day five, the birds and the fish. And day six, land animals and mankind. So God finishes all six days of creation and he says, behold, it was very good. No mistakes, no flaws, no sin, no wickedness, no evil, no nothing. Creation was perfect. It was very good. That means Adam and Eve had not sinned yet. That also means that Satan had not yet sinned because Satan is part of God's creation. So when God says it is very good at the end of the six days, there is no flaw whatsoever. So we're assuming that. Realize also, when we ask this question, we, we need to understand God only gives good gifts. Everything God gives is good. James 1.17 says that. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Zach? So do you think it would be like uh, Job, how it, like the tree was to test their faith? Like, uh, did they truly love me? With the help of some temptations, they ended up, you know, sinning. But like with Job, God was like, "Hey, Satan, this guy over here, he loves me, and whatever you do to him, he's not going to make it." Mm-hmm. And uh, it ended up happening. So like, it goes. You see, both examples. You see both ways of the example. Yeah, great. So I think Job is an excellent um, book to bring up because we see a lot about God as it relates to Satan's temptations, as it relates to temptation in general, to trials. Yes, Job is an excellent example. Um, Also, though, realize God does not tempt anyone to sin. 
Remember James 1.13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted of evil, and he himself tempts no one. Temptation actually comes from our own desires inside of us, it says. Um, Finally, realize and remember God's law is holy, righteous, and good. Anybody remember where it says that? Well, the book of Romans, of course. We just studied that a chapter ago. Romans chapter 7, verse 12 says that. Um, Romans 7, 12, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Because remember, Paul asked the question, is the commandment then evil? Because the commandment, our flesh takes advantage of it. Remember that? Sin takes advantage of our flesh and our desires. So Paul makes the statement, God's commandment is holy, just, and good. In other words, if God then gave Adam and Eve the command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God's command in and of itself must have been holy and just and good. Do you follow that logic? And that's because the command proceeds from a holy, just, and good God. Do you follow that logic? These introductory things, I know sometimes introductions don't mean anything. Um, They're just fluff to get you to the body. But these introductory comments are actually essential to understanding why God made the tree in the first place. Um, Third, remember, God knows everything. You can look at Psalm 139 um, to remember that. Oh, Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know my down-sitting, my uprising. You understand my thoughts afar off. And he goes through all these things. And... Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is our Lord, and of great power. His understanding is infinite. I love that. His understanding is infinite. Our understanding is finite, meaning it has boundaries. There are things that we do not know. Many, many things that we do not know. And yet God's understanding has no boundary. When you think you've reached the end of it, you've only just begun. His understanding is infinite, which includes the future. So the question we're asking assumes if God knew that Adam and Eve would sin, well, did God actually know? What would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Can you support that? Adrian? Because the Bible itself says that God is sovereign and sovereign means you know what that is. Okay. Describes his sovereignty. Yeah, we're coming to look at that in point number four, John. God knows from the beginning and from the end. He does. Yeah, knows the end from the beginning. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God as there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. That's the passage to which John just alluded. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. It says God declares the end from the beginning and the things from ancient times and the things that are not yet done. In other words, God knows everything, including the future. He knows what you did earlier today, but he also already knows what you'll do tomorrow, next week, next year. He knows what will happen in a thousand years. God knows everything. So, yes, you would be correct in saying God knew Adam and Eve would sin. But then why did he make them in the first place? Why did he make this tree in the first place? And why did he give them free will? That's a big question relating to this question of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why did he make the tree, but why did he give them the choice? That's really what the question gets at. Do you see that? 
Number four, God sovereignly reigns over everyone and everything. As Adrian pointed out, Psalm 115 verse 3 says, But our God is in the heavens. He has done whatsoever he has pleased. In other words, whatever God wants, he does. This extends, he is sovereign, he reigns. Sovereign has built into the word. He reigns. That's what sovereignty means. God is in complete control of everything that has ever occurred in history and everything that will occur in the future. God knows and he reigns over it. That includes Satan. As um, Zach brought up, Job 1 and 2, God actually is the one that brings Job up. And Satan, he's like, Satan, look at this servant of mine who loves me. And Satan says, all right, well, let's test that out. If we take everything from him, he'll curse you. God says, okay. So Satan is tempting him toward evil, but God intends it as a good test for his good. Adrian? So I noticed that um, Satan had to get permission from God to do certain things. Yep. Does that mean each individual person he has to get permission or... We don't know. 1 Peter 5.8 says he's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking those whom he may devour. It seems like he's somewhat free, but ultimately his jurisdiction is only what God has given him. Ezekiel? You're going to lose. Yeah, Satan, don't bet with God. You're going to lose. Yeah. So God's sovereignty extends not only over Satan, it extends over individual lives. That means us. Um, Psalm 139.16, Your eyes did see my substance, yet being un- imperfect. And in your book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. In other words, God oversaw your formation in the womb. There was no mistake, no accident. God oversaw that entire process. The fact that you have life today is a testimony that God himself gave you life. He is in control over nations and politics. Daniel chapter 2 says he changes the times, the seasons. He removes kings, sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those that know understanding. He's in control of the weather. He's in control of the intentions of the wicked. Remember Genesis 50, that's where Joseph's brothers come and apologize to Joseph. And Joseph says, well, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Ezekiel? That's right. It's good. So that, do you remember where you're quoting from? Because you're exactly right. God will not tempt us beyond that we're able. But he will with it give us a way to escape. It's okay. Isaac, do you know? James 1 does talk about that. No one, when they're tempted, should say, I'm being tempted by God, because God doesn't tempt us toward evil. What Ezekiel's quoting is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, and will, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. So take your Bibles, go back to Genesis chapter 1. And let's apply some of these truths that we've just been considering to the narrative of Adam and Eve. As you're going there, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, remember what we just talked about. And then number 5 in our introduction, ultimately this question is actually, it's implying a very basic question. Did God create evil? Or in other words, is God the author of evil? 
That's really what this question is asking. Because if God knew Adam and Eve were going to sin, and God created the tree anyways, didn't God create evil? That's the question this really gets back to. And save your answers for that, because it's a deep question to ponder. We know the right answer, but can you prove it? Can you show from the scripture that God's not the author of evil? It's a good question. So Genesis chapter 1, we just talked through the creation week. Chapter 1 verse 31 says, God saw everything he made and behold it was very good. Chapter 2 verse 1, thus the heavens, the earth were finished and all the host of them. God rests on the seventh day and blesses it, verses 2 and 3. And then look at verse 5. Well, verse 4, these are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. There goes up a mist to water the face of the ground. Verse 7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Verse 8, God plants a garden in the land of Eden he put man there. Out of the ground, he makes all sorts of things grow that are beautiful for the sight. It says in the middle of verse 9, the tree of life also is in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So picture this massive garden. It's in the midst of the land of the garden of, sorry, it's, there's a garden in the middle of the land of Eden. That's why we call it the garden of Eden. It's in Eden. And in the middle of the garden, there's two trees. And what are the two trees? That's it. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just imagine how different would history look if Adam and Eve had eaten from the tree of life instead of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's fascinating to ponder. We can't even talk about it right now. I'm sorry. What, what do you got? The thing is, the future doesn't look so bright because if they hadn't It's a good question. We can't answer it today. I'm sorry. But if you want to answer more questions, you can write them down and put them in the box. That's why we have the box. Okay. Um, look at verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of, the tree of, the, of, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. So God gives him this instruction. You can eat of all the other trees in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the command. And remember, the command is holy, just, and good. But then he gives the consequence. In the day you eat of it, you will surely die. If you sin against God, you will die. That's what God says. And you know the story. God forms Eve from Adam's rib. And Adam calls her Eve. She's the mother of all living. Apparently, Adam passed on the instruction from God to Eve because when the serpent shows up and tempts them, he turns and he asks Eve, he says, did God say you can't eat of any of the trees of the garden? And Eve says, no, just the tree that's in the middle of the garden. But she also says, neither shall you touch it lest you die. So that's interesting. God didn't actually say that. So then you're wondering what's going on there. But you know the story. Adam and Eve, they eat of the tree. And so here we are. History tells the rest of the story. And so we're also sinners. That was the point in Romans. So the question is, if God knew they were going to sin anyways, why did he make the tree? So on your sheet, I give us two big heading reasons. Number one, to prove mankind. 
to prove mankind or to test. And then number two, and that's what Zach was alluding to, of to test their loyalty, their love for him. I think you're exactly right. And Job is an excellent example of that. And then number two, ultimately, we know that everything God does is to reveal and to magnify his own glory. His glory is the weightiness of his character. In other words, God deserves praise. And so everything he does displays how praiseworthy he is. That's the point of everything. So Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of the God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Psalm 72, 19 says, Blessed be his glorious name forever. The whole earth, let it be filled with his glory, etc. You can look up the rest of the references. So there's your two big reasons. Are you following that so far? So let's think about to test mankind for a minute. So let me pose that question to you. Does God test people? Does he? Yeah, but that says he will not permit you, he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. It actually doesn't say God's the one tempting. It says he will not permit you to be tempted above that you're able. Zach? Yes, he already knows, and yet he permits free will. And that's what this question really hinges on, is that God gave mankind free will. He did not create us as mandatory worshipers. We get a choice. God deserves the worship, and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And yet today, God gives us the choice whether we will serve him. So yes, God tests people. I give you several illustrations on your handout. He tested Abraham, Genesis 22, and Hebrews 11. He tested Israel, and that one's interesting. Um, James 1.3 says he tests us. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials or tests of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. But let me read to you Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 3. Moses says, All the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Remember, they're finishing out the 40 years of wandering. All their granddads and fathers and mothers, they've all died in the wilderness. He says, here's why. Why did God lead you through the wilderness? To humble you, to prove you or to test you, and to show what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or no. In other words, God gave Israel a test. They sinned against him. They got a test in the wilderness that was to serve to humble them, to test them, and to show what was in their hearts, whether they would serve God. Adrian, you had your hand up. Um, just with the being tested, it's usually for the, well, it's all, always for the glory of God, yeah. it, no matter what. That's right. And, yeah. It's always for the glory of God, and it's always for our good. From God's point of view, God always intends our good. It's to grow us as, his, as he exposes the genuineness of our faith. But Satan, his purpose is evil. We see that in the Job narrative. We see that in the Joseph narrative. His brothers intended evil, and yet God intended it for good. Isn't that cool how God, even he incorporates, we can all make choices, we all have free will, 
And yet, even the things we do that are wicked, God intends and he does use them for good. We saw that in Romans 8.28. We know that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. Well, that's cool. So, did God test Adam and Eve? That's an important question. Can you think of any scripture that says that? I can't think of one. If you think of one, come let me know. I can't think of one that God is testing them. However, it follows God gave them free will for the purpose of their glorifying him by obeying his word out of love. God loved them and God wanted to see, would they love him in return? But inherently, love and loyalty must be voluntary. I cannot force anyone to love me. Neither can you. God will not force us to love him. Love inherently must be voluntary. Remember Joshua 24, 15? Joshua said, <clears throat> If it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods of your fathers or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. John 14, 15 says, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And Song of Solomon, that's the SOS, Song of Solomon 8, verse 7 talks about how even if someone was willing to give all the substance of his house for love, it would be utterly contemned. In other words, you can't buy love. True love must be given. It's voluntary. And so for Adam and Eve to love God as they ought to, and for us to love God as we ought to, it must be voluntary, out of free will. And so God gave Adam and Eve free will, and he gave them the choice. He gave them instruction, don't eat of this tree. They got the choice. So did God know? Absolutely. Then why? To test them? To give them that choice to um, reciprocate his love back to him? But then also to glorify himself. So think of, there's imagery, we looked at it in Romans, Romans 5, um, Adam, we know Adam, he's the first Adam back in Genesis, but Christ is the last Adam. The first Adam failed and he brought sin and death upon us all. That's Romans 5. But the last Adam, Jesus Christ, succeeded. He obeyed the Father perfectly. He did not sin. He did not forsake the law of God. And so Jesus Christ, the last Adam, succeeded in order to offer salvation to all of us. And that's the plan that God had from eternity past. Um, he planned it from eternity past. We see that Ephesians 1, before the worlds were framed, God chose us in Christ. Um, we see that Revelation 13, verse 8. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the life, the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Even from the very foundation of the world, God knew man would sin, and so he had a plan in place to redeem us. Do you follow that, Isaac? Uh, so, like, kind of what you were saying, of how, like, to love is, has to be voluntary. Mm -hmm. It's, and voluntary to God is obeying, and Jesus obeyed, just like Jesus did not want to die. Yeah. It says in... 
all of the gospel, most of the gospels that like when he was in the garden against Femmesy, he said, Father, is there any way for this to not fall upon me? But like he knew it was the only way. Right. Like he wanted to obey his father and he also wanted to obey his father so that he voluntarily helped us. Amen. So even Christ voluntarily chose to submit to the will of the Father. He says, not my will, but yours be done. That's right. Out of love for us. It's amazing. Something neat about man's fall into sin, as terrible as it is, it displays God's character in a way that we would not get to see if there were no sin. We see His mercy and His patience. Because God did not just destroy mankind immediately when we sinned. God doesn't just destroy us the moment that we sin. We deserve it. But God is patient and long-suffering. And Peter says, God is willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why God is long-suffering. He loves us and wants for us to be saved. So we see His long-suffering. We see His love the pinnacle of which is that He gave His own Son, Jesus Christ, to pay for our sins so that we could be saved. That's love. But we also see His justice. God's justice is such that not only does He destroy sin, but we also see that because of sin, He destroyed His own Son. He put sin on Jesus and poured out His wrath on Christ. That's God's justice, is that all sin must be punished. And without sin, we wouldn't have even seen that in the way that we do. So, what thoughts, questions, more comments? There's more that we could cover here, but what else? What are you thinking? John? You said... Exactly. Exactly. So the tree was God's way of testing Adam and Eve, whether they would love him. And that is what God would have wanted. And yet they chose not to. And so God chose to still lavish his love on us. It's pretty cool. Mr. Andrew? I was just thinking of, I was listening to, listening to something earlier today, and there was a question similar to the Garden of Eden, but... Why did God even create Satan? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I thought that I kind of think about that encapsulates all of them. Uh, something that glorifies God is victory, and there's mm-hmm. no victory without opposition. Yep. It's good. Victory glorifies God, and without it, opposition, there's no victory. Yeah. Yeah. So, did God create evil then? I thought the creation was very good. Adrian? God made the cre- created everything and said it was very good, but um, it was man who decided with their free will to um, do, do sinful things. Mm-hmm. God didn't create sin, it was Satan who did that. Yeah. Ezekiel? Well, God gave us free choice. Yeah. Zach? The thing is, he also gave angels free will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was one, and then two, and then, you know, they kind of both fell with the sin because of their yep. evil. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
want to take responsibility? I, I don't think so. It's like, if you shoot somebody, it's not... <laughs> I forgot where I was going Yeah, your free... Because of our free will, the decisions that we make, yeah. we bear the responsibility for them. That's right. You're responsible for your decisions. Yep. Isaac? Say that last part again. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we had a responsibility because of the power God gave us of free will to use it responsibly as God's image bearers. And yet now we pay the consequences because we didn't. Let me ask you this question. So I asked you, did God create evil? And you said no. Did God create darkness? Go look at Genesis 1. Did God create darkness? Walter? My mom put it this way. It's like when you have, it's like a shadow. Like the light, um, like in order to have a shadow, you have to have the light. Yeah. And the light casts off the shadow. It's not the light made the shadow. That yeah. Sense. Darkness is actually not real. It's just the absence of light. See that? That's what evil is. Evil is the absence of God and his goodness. Do you see that? So no, God didn't create it. But as soon as Satan and as soon as we departed from God and his goodness, that is evil. Do you see that? Nathan. Do you want me to finish the subject and come back to you? So did God create evil? No, he didn't. He only created the potential for evil by giving us free will. So God bears no responsibility. We do. Ezekiel? So you just said <coughs> darkness is nothing. It just has an absolute light. But doesn't that mean darkness is something? <laughs> I think you just answered your own question. So let me just put it in Scripture's words. Genesis 1.3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. So therefore, darkness is something. Yes, but it's the absence of light. So it's something still. So it's not nothing. Okay. But it's still something. Fair enough. Exactly. So it's something. Without light, there is no darkness. Do you see? Exactly. So therefore, it's something. So, your statement was wrong. You have circular reasoning, Ezekiel. <laughs> this is the, no, it's Ezekiel. If I have an apple in a bowl, and then I take away that apple from the bowl, there's nothing in the bowl. But so there's still there's a bowl. There's nothing there. There's air. There's oxygen. There's nitrogen. <laughs> you, should, you should think more about it. When I, what I asked was, did God create darkness? And the answer is no. It says he created light. And he separated it from darkness. <laughs> Go and read Genesis 1. Go and read Genesis 1. And then we can talk more about it or you can submit it as a question. We don't have time to address that now. I'm sorry. Nathan? So, if God separated light and darkness, does that mean that 
Doesn't that mean that they were together as something? Meaning that God knew that he was good, and God knew that Satan was bad, and they were mixed together, and he just separated. There you go. Was that the was that the thought you were having earlier that you were trying to come back to? Do you feel like we did justice to the question? So now you have a handout and a recording to go back to next time you ask this question. Yeah, I just recorded it. Yeah.